0: This episode of the Love Food Podcast is brought to you by Green Mountain at Fox Run, the pioneering women's retreat to help you find peace with food, fitness, and your body. Through powerful tools such as mindfulness, stress reduction techniques, and mindful movement, you'll learn to eat, move, feel, and live in the moment. Visit footwoman.com forward slash Food for more information. Say goodbye to the food police and hello to peace and welcome to episode 52 of the Love Food Podcast. I am Julie Duffy Dillon, registered dietitian and food peace promoter. I'm so glad you're here. Thank you for connecting today, and happy new year. You know, if you're listening to this podcast, the week it's released, of course, it's the brand new year 2017, and we are starting off National Dieting Month. And I say that with a eye roll and a big smile on my face because I can't stand it. And I hope that this podcast can give you an alternative because if you're like anyone else I've ever spoken to, you've tried a million diets and none of them have worked. Um, You may have blamed yourself for them not working because maybe you just stopped doing them or you fell off the wagon or something like that. But honestly, it's time to really come to terms with the fact that diets don't work and it's not your fault. It really they don't work for 97% or more of people in the long term. And this is actually data that's supported in evidence. So, I want to be able to provide you the support you need over this National Dieting Month. I'm going to be doing a few more um bonus podcast episodes during this month of January. And I hope it helps you to not feel as inclined to diet just because everyone's talking about their diet and their new gym membership and all that other bullshit that we're used to hearing. And I'm excited for you to hear today's episode because I have a fabulous letter from someone who has tried to move away from the dieting kind of roller coaster, yet she kind of is going back towards some perfectionistic and all-or-nothing thinking, and I get to chat with a friend of mine. Her name is Rebecca Schutfield, and she's another dietitian. And I think you're going to find um, her insight, her solutions, um, something that you can use, especially in January, to help you to stay sane and not succumbed by the uh, seductive kind of diets. So I hope you enjoy this uh, week's episode, and here's this episode's letter. Dear Food, it's complicated. Growing up, I thought I was fat, though really, I just had baby weight I lost in high school. Because of weight, I never considered myself athletic, even though I played sports for 10 years. I lost 20 pounds in my first month of college because I forgot about you, food I wasn't providing myself meals. It was accidental starvation, eating barely enough, so anxious I didn't even notice. After that, I learned I had a mood disorder. It seems like since then, I've gained 5 to 10 pounds a year. Two years ago, I started working with therapists and nutritionists, but only recently did I start talking about my relationship with you, Food. It's been a roller coaster. I've learned about intuitive eating and mindfulness and how no food is good or bad. In the past, I had tried veganism, vegetarianism not for weight loss, but all ending in my obsession with, quote, doing it just right. After a high-protein diet, my only real diet attempt in life, in 2014, I realized I didn't know what it was felt like to be hungry. I spent the last year and a half learning. I'm never dieting. I am working on loving myself, setting goals that are based in health and not a number. But I'm a perfectionist, and a part of me feels like, Even though I know I dropped that weight in college through lack of self-care, I would love to be that weight again. I would love to fit in those clothes. I try to counter that. I try to own who I am and where I am at. I try to trust my relationship with you, food. And I'm trying slightly to lose weight through health and intuition. I can be an emotional eater. I can be so in my head, I'm not listening to you, food, when I eat. My question for you, food, is how do I balance wanting to lose a little weight without it being a focus of my goals and also without ignoring that I do feel that desire with loving myself, with eating for pleasure and sustenance? I feel like I go through phases where all I focus on is the health benefits of you and phases where all I want is a sensual affair. I'm struggling to see it in a less all-or-nothing way, and I know you have lots of color and beauty to show me, food. Love, losing balance. Before we explore this episode's letter, a word from our sponsor. This episode is sponsored by Green Mountain at Fox Run, the pioneering women's retreat to help you find peace with food, fitness, and your body in Ludlow, Vermont. For over 40 years, Green Mountain has developed sustainable, non-diet strategies for women who struggle with weight, emotional and binge eating, and feelings of food addiction, Last year, Green Mountain opened its Women's Center for Binge and Emotional Eating, the only clinical program in the nation dedicated solely to women suffering with binge eating disorder and emotional eating. Ready to set yourself free from dieting and restrictions untruths, and fads? Visit fitwoman.com forward slash love food for more information about Green Mountain at Fox Run and the Women's Center for Binge and Emotional Eating. A life free of weight, eating, and body struggles is closer than you think. Visit fitwoman.com forward slash love food for more information. Hey, Losing Balance. Thank you so much for your letter. I really appreciate it. And it does sound very complicated. And I wish... You'd experience food in a less chaotic way, but I hope you know, certainly the the way you're describing it is a way that I've heard many other folks describe their relationship with food throughout the years. And it does sound like from reading your words that perfectionism is something that is standing in the way of you getting to a place where you feel really safe and trustworthy with food in your body. Um, I think you bring up some other really good points as well. And what we're going to do right now, I'm going to call a friend and colleague. Her name is Rebecca Scritchfield. She's another dietitian, and I think she's going to have some insight for us. So let's give her a call. Hello? Hi, Rebecca. It's Julie Duffy Dillon. How are you? I'm doing well, Julie. How are you? I am great. Thanks for taking time out of your day to help me with this letter. I am so happy to help. Thanks. So did you get a chance to read it yet?
2: Yes, I did. I don't want to hug her.
0: (laughs) I know, me too. Oh, goodness. I I feel like so many people that have these complicated relationships with food, one of the first things they need is like, the biggest hug and dose of compassion because diet culture is toxic and kind of like this big old bully. So I'm glad that you're able to help. And I am wondering, what are you, what are your initial thoughts? And like, what do you think this letter writer is going through as she's writing this letter? Um, well,
2: I think it is a case of having conflicting thoughts, feelings, and goals. And, um, being very confused. Uh, so it's like on the one hand, you know I'm feeling a desire to lose weight and to to try things that I've since learned don't really work, you know and so it's so you know that it's like a, t- a game of tug of war that's happening right now. Um, and I know that it's a very difficult place to be in. I know that it is it is a common, Place to be in for anyone who was really trying to become their own best friend and take care of the body they have right now when they're not ready to kind of fully accept their body as it is. Um, so, yeah, and it's kind of like you're stuck in some quicksand and you feel like you might be sinking. And what makes me nervous about that is that that fears and anxieties can lead to desperate decisions and actions um, and make it very difficult to pause and reflect and to think about what is rational and what steps might actually help create a better life, a happier and healthier life holistically, not just based on weight Shape or appearance, and so so that's what I'm feeling the most is just a sense of um, feeling stuck and not knowing um, what to do or how to do it, not knowing what is right, um, and and needing some help to try to sort through kind of like the next
0: step. Mm-hmm. And you know that feeling stuck, I feel like is if there was like a top five things that people. Well, like really want to talk about when they're meeting with me or on these um, podcast episodes. It's feeling stuck is is like the thing that is so draining and people feel like they can be trapped there forever. And I also feel like that fear, anxiety that you were talking about, I I almost get the sense that people think that that's that's a good thing. You know, if I'm afraid, then I'm going to choose this drastic thing that's going to finally set me going in the right direction. And mm-hmm. I'm more, I, I I think you and I are on the same page. Like when we choose things out of fear and anxiety and don't have that pause, then it usually is a decision that's drastic and is not in a health, per, like health promoting kind of way. Um, so if someone is stuck and feeling all this fear and anxiety, what do you feel like are like the first steps they can take to go in the right direction, especially as it relates to like their body and health and all that stuff? Yeah. Well. I think the
2: very first thing is acceptance. And maybe you can't accept every truth that's happening right now in this moment. But if you are guided by the notion that it is important for me to accept the present moment in my current reality, even if I don't like it, even if it causes me pain and anxiety and discomfort. Because acceptance is very important at giving you space. And right now, what you need most is space so that you can reflect properly and engage in compassionate and rational thinking. Mm
0: -hmm. Yeah. You know, with that acceptance, something that she notes in the letter that I feel like is really common and a part of that stuckness. and. But yet also something that is celebrated is she mentions her perfectionism. And she Mm -hmm. also talks about this all-or-nothing thinking. Um, Is there something she can do to particularly help those areas as it relates to food?
2: Oh, perfectionism is a bitch.
0: (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I mean (laughs) – enemy number one. (laughs) Right. I had a professor in college who used to always say perfectionism kills people. Like it is the thing that literally kills people. I'm like, yeah, yeah, it does. So, Yeah. Yeah.
2: Um, I think, you know, if, so if she believes that some basics about perfectionism, that, um, for most other people, even for anyone but her, right if she's able to believe that perfectionism is not helpful that perfectionism holds people accountable to goals that nobody can achieve you know so you hear like perfectionism well it's unrealistic well i think it's stronger than that it literally is perfectionism means unachievable mm-hmm. you know so if if she can identify it as it's not real it's unachievable um even if not so for herself but for other people that is an important step because then you can question, why am I holding myself accountable to this perfectionism that I don't believe anybody else should be doing to themselves?
0: Mm-hmm.
2: And I, it's an important question because it opens up this sliver of, darn, you know, like there might be some truth to this and, and it's seeking more truth. Okay. If I can accept that whatever's happening right now is true, even if I don't like it, and that perfectionism is getting in my way, and I believe that perfectionism is not helpful, it doesn't change habits, it doesn't help improve health, in fact, it is unattainable, it's standards that nobody can accomplish, then you can start to transfer that to yourself, you know. And and when you have the belief that perfectionism doesn't work for you, then it's about building strength, you know, I mean, just like, you know, working out a muscle or getting better at a yoga pose or whatever you practice, you practice setting up boundaries around perfectionism. Like that's not good enough for me. That doesn't work for me. You know, that line of thinking, those ideals, those standards that no longer serves a beneficial purpose for me. And so perfectionism still remains because it doesn't just disappear and vanish, but you really gain your power back because you stop letting it control your next choice. Mm
3: -hmm. And that's
2: another very step is like, I'm in charge. It's my decisions and my actions. Perfectionism is irrational. It does not work for me. So as hard as it is, what's the next choice I can make that is not what Ms. Perfectionist is telling me to do? (laughs)
0: <laughs> Excellent. Because I feel like intuitive eating work or you know, moving away from dieting, mindful eating or attuned eating, whatever word we're going to use for it, I feel like it's perfectionism is so easy to measure, but intuitive eating is not because it has more ambiguity. I mean, that's part of it. It's not this rigid diet plan. And so I like how you even said, like, okay, most perfectionism. We we're not going to take your option. <laughs> you know, what's the the choice that I need right now for me? And um, sometimes there's it's going to be messy, and I don't even want to call them mistakes because I feel like sometimes there's choices that are going to feel better than others. But that's not it's not what it's all about. You know. So um, that's really helpful. And. The thing, though, that this person brings up that I think is especially important for you and I, Rebecca, to talk about right now is she talks about, like, you know, wanting to really move toward this acceptance or to love herself, I think is what she said, and to feel, um, you know, like she's not dieting anymore, but she still wants to lose a little bit of weight. and. Mm. People who've listened to my podcast for a while, they're going to know that I'm against the pursuit of weight loss. But, you know, someone may be listening to this podcast for the first time because I'm releasing it on January 2nd, you know, National Dieting Month. And so a lot of people are going to be like wanting to talk about diets or maybe if they're they've moved away from diets, but maybe today they're feeling the craving just because it is National Dieting Month. And, you know, her desire to like accept herself and love herself also with wanting to lose weight. I'm wanting to know what your thoughts are on that.
2: Um, she sounds like everyone who comes to see me, you know, it is when you're in diet culture, you don't just magically say, you know, and so now I'm just going to let myself exactly as it is, (laughs) you know, it, it, it can be a while. And I think that everyone who comes to see me and they know I do health at every size and, and, and they say like, I know I can't do another diet, but I know you don't do weight loss. And I got to be honest, I am still hoping that when I make these changes, I will lose weight. And it's tough for me as a clinician because I wish they were in a different place. But that to me just points where the work is. And um, what I tend to do in those situations and you know what I would advise anyone who is sitting with that desire is... To say, well, what happens if it's okay to be there and to choose not to take action on unhelpful weight loss specific goals? Right. Mm-hmm. Like why why you just let weight loss goals join you for the ride on your journey toward body empowerment and self-care and you know, and whatever goals you're manifesting for the new year? What is so bad about saying, you know what, it's okay to have this weight loss goal, but I'm going to choose not to engage with that path. And instead, I am going to choose to take action on things that I believe I would do if I were already that happy, healthy, strong person I want to be. And the type of choices that respect my body That care for my body and also help me to enjoy life, and I think that that is a very, um, you know, challenging proposal because we don't like unfinished business. Mm
1: -hmm. (laughs) You know,
2: it's very uncomfortable to think about. Well, wait a minute, so I'm supposed to do nothing about those weight loss goals? But if you engage with them, you're going down diet path. You know, that's not really going to lead to your liberation and freedom. And if you just try to fix it, you're going to be so distracted and you're going to deplete the mental energy you need to do the work of intuitive eating and mindfulness and positive self-care and affirmations, you know, so you only have so many resources, put your resources down the path that if everything in you was fixed, you would already be doing that, you know, in your heart is good self-care. and. You know, you'll notice that, that the weight goals become less and less important because you like yourself better. You're happier with your habits. You, you're starting to kind of blossom and feel those benefits of, of doing the things that, that may be difficult but are so much more rewarding. Um, and then the work will shift a little bit because it becomes more about, okay, how do I take care of myself? while I'm in a diet culture as I want to lose weight less and less and less.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, when you mentioned too, like not engaging in a the pursuit of weight loss or not meeting that goal, um, how that can feel weird in our culture. And I think there is this assumption that if we're not trying to lose weight, then we're like doing this opposite thing, you know, like it's, this all or nothing again. And, 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 Mm -hmm. you know, everyone wants to categorize our world in that way. And it's just not this all or nothing thing. And I actually think going against diet culture is a very active process. You know, we have to stay engaged in a, maybe a different way. Like we have, because it is around us all the time, you know, we have to be, um, you know, doing things for self care to keep us in a place where we're not engaging in it. So I, I don't think it's it's passive, and so I totally agree with you. And I am wondering um, if you have anything that you would like to add to our food peace syllabus, Rebecca. We we have this list on our show of resources that can further enhance someone's relationship with food and their body. Would you like to add anything to it? I would
2: love to. Uh, first, I'd love to recommend Body of Truth by Harriet Brown. And she's a wonderful author. I believe this book is really going to help people um, learn more about diet culture and the history behind it and what's presently happening. There's great science in there, but it is um, it is it is easy to read in the sense that you want to keep turning the page and find out all the all the ways that you've been screwed in your life. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, and I just love that book. Um, I also would like to recommend other books that are more about acceptance, I feel like that was a strong theme of our conversation today. So one book is called Radical Acceptance by Tara Brock. And she um, is a wonderful woman. She comes from a Buddhist teaching, and she has a very rich background. And that book personally really helped me um, deal with a lot of conflicts. I had in my own mind and in my own, the, the ways I took care of myself. Um, and then the last two are related to acceptance commitment therapy, which is a type of therapy called ACT, A-C-T. And, um, it is, you know, even if you're not a clinician, I'm telling you, you could read these books. So one is called the happiness trap. And it's not specifically related to dieting or anything like that directly. It's, it's, um, but you, because we kind of, we know that world and any dieter knows that world. You don't have to be a dietitian. I'm sure I always tell people you can ace the nutrition test as much as I could, (laughs) um, but it's, it is a good read. I think that the, that they take, um, a complicated topic and break it down into layman's terms. And there's a lot of workable actions that you could go through. And then, um, if you like that, or just, you know, you're trying to decide between two books, the other one is called act made simple. It's a workbook. This definitely for dietitians and clinicians who might have no experience with act, um, because it's, it's going to help you, um, you know, understand it and work through exercises and stuff. And you will use that with your clients. But I also think, um, a lot of the workbooks can be very much, uh, self-help and self-guided. So especially if, you know, you're just presently not in therapy your money is tight, or you just want something to enhance your progress. Um, I think it's very good. And, uh, I actually, I don't really confess it until later on in my book, but, it is based off of the principles of acceptance and commitment therapy, on how I help people change their behaviors. So I I cannot recommend those resources enough.
0: Well, why don't you tell us about your book? Because I have started to read it, and I love it. Um, I think for people who listen to this podcast, will find that it is something that is gonna fill a need in the blog. The I almost said blogosphere, but the, the <laughs> bookosphere. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> but uh, the worldwide web. Or of books. Just, just information. <laughs> I mean, we have so many nutrition books out there, but really, um, I think yours is filling a hole that has not been met. So tell us about, uh, body kindness. Sure. Uh, I see body kindness as like
2: the blueprint to help people, um, give up on dieting and diet culture. Um, you know, because it's, it's kind of like, okay, so I'm gonna let go of all this stuff. Well, then what am I supposed to do? right? So this is it. and it and it starts from it's broken out into four parts. and it the first part is called what you do. And it's really just designed to help you understand, first of all, how humans make choices, why, you know, things like social media and fear of missing out and social comparisons actually can cause self-sabotage because instead of thinking about what we really want, we're like following the herd and like doing what, you know, our other friend is doing and that there's a real mental reason why making choices we know are rational don't always come easy. So it's part education there. And then the subsequent chapters in that part one are just the classic self-care well being things you would think of. So it described very simply, the chapters about food or a chapter about fitness or about sleep. Um, and, It's not prescriptive in the sense of here's the 10 commandments or do these rules. There is guidance and there is absolutely a structure for it, but it is also flexible because if something's going to become your habit, it's because you design it in a way that fits you best and you make the choices about how stuff is going to fit in your life. Um, And then it, it carries on. So there's part two is really about emotions and the benefit of good of of both good and bad emotions. So we have this feeling that negative emotions are just horrible. Um and so I help to explain why even bad emotions are good. This reader, uh this letter writer will love how I talk about the different thought bullies where um they could just be really intrusive and how to handle those thought bullies. Um, and then as you continue on in the book, I get into how you can use um, you know, science-based behavior change goals setting that really you'll find it to be more enjoyable, um, you know, because we all do need to set goals around things that we're trying to change. Uh, But a lot of times we can set um, goals we can't control. And so this is about trying to figure out what makes a good goal and then giving you a structure for setting those goals and even stretching yourself. So one goal might be really small, like, you know, I am going to, um, get one extra hour of sleep tonight and you do that consistently, but you might have another stretch goal that, you know, you build towards. So there's flexibility and even how you set and achieve goals. Um, and then the last part is called where you belong. And it's, it's one of my favorites, uh, because it's the part that always gets ignored. Like we, we write these prescriptive books in these silos of here's what you need to do. And Where You Belong was really inspired by Brene Brown um, and this idea. She says, connection is why we're here. And that always stuck with me. And um, in just studying her work and just in, in positive psychology, understanding the benefit and value of connection and compassion and kindness, I wanted to help guide the reader to say, you know, you don't have to be where you think you need to be for your health and wellness in order to fully engage in a meaningful life now. So I think that's very important to encourage people to nurture your closest connections. Um, if If there's a connection that's not helping you be a better person, and maybe like a little diet club that you need to divorce, go (laughs) find some other interests. Right. So it's just some guidance around really that whether it's having a challenging conversation with a loved one or just surrounding yourselves by the right people that are going to lift you up and help you, you know, want to move forward in your body kindness journey. Mm -hmm.
0: Oh, that's so great. Well, you know, so I'm wondering if someone is wanting to find the book or to find out more about you, is there a way they can do that? Absolutely. So if you go to bodykindnessbook.com,
2: there's actually a get started, um, you know, before the book even comes a little get started training you can do. And so it has a digital training of five health rules to break, Plus, one of my client's favorite tools, it's a health and happiness journal, and then actually a sample chapter from the book. Um, so while I appreciate all purchases, if you would like to just kind of jump right in and see uh, what this is like, you can get some, um, some free help right away just at bodykindnessbook.com.
0: Awesome. Well, I will send our listeners there. I'll put that in the show notes. And then also, is your website Rebecca Scritchfield.com. Yes. that's I'll I'll also put those in the show notes too, in case anyone is wanting to find you and maybe um, find a way to connect, to get your book or to work with you. But thank you so much for your time. I really appreciate your insight with this letter. And I have a feeling this letter writer is going to really appreciate the insight as well. So thank you so much. Well, thanks for having me. And and thank you to the letter
2: writer because by, by doing that, she's helping, helping other people as well.
0: Exactly. Exactly. Take care. Well, Losing Balance, I hope you found the conversation that I had with Rebecca to be insightful and gave you some first few steps as you continue to move away from the all or nothing thinking that you have gotten so used to and also gave you some more uh, ways to call out that misperfectionism when she's trying to run the show and to choose to do the compassionate choice that helps you move towards healing and health. And you know, I appreciate. I'm a bit biased. Rebecca is my friend, but I do hope that you um, look into her book, Body Kindness. It is a book that is compassionate. It's also beautiful the way the the colors and the fonts are. It's just it's really really uh, enjoyable to read because of that. And I do think it is this like beacon of hope amongst the sea of diet books that tell us to hate our bodies and to not trust it. And um, so anyway, I I look forward to hearing how anyone who's listening or to you, Letter Writer, um, if you do pick up her book and what you think about it. And I see food has written back, so let's hear what food has to say. But until then, I would love to hear how things are going and any updates you may have on your relationship with food and your body and Continue to do that intuitive eating work. Continue to do the healing. And, you know, I know it's messy and tough, but it's such good work. Take care. Dear Losing Balance, we are glad to have reconnected and overjoyed you stopped our roller coaster ride relationship. Your acts of self care compassion and love are bringing you closer to health and well-being we appreciate this isn't the drastic change or fancy outcome we've been led to believe to be best rather it's reconnecting you to you and that's the most beautiful outcome of all love food Do you have a complicated relationship with food and want to change? I want to help. Send your dear food letter to lovefoodpodcast at gmail.com. I hope to read about your experiences soon. Thank you for listening. I am Julie Duffy Dillon, and this is the Love Food series. Have you enjoyed the show, or would you like to give me feedback? I welcome your thoughts. Please give a review in iTunes and subscribe. This type of kindness helps the show continue. You can also tweet me at EatingPermitRG.
1: Take care.